Howdy, howdy here from Austin, Texas. I'm Reed and this is In The Huddle. I want to welcome you guys to episode 7 and give you guys a quick thanks for tuning in. So let's go ahead and get into my uh, very, very deep analysis of the weekend. Given to you in uh, a couple words. So describe this weekend, I would say sadness. Sadness for me as an Aggie fan. You know, if you go back to week one of my rant after the Appalachian State game, you're going to get another taste of that today. Um, And I'm just disappointed. But the same flip of things, there's a lot of teams who weren't predicted to do as well as they are now before the season. And I I sure am happy for those fans. All right. So let's just go ahead and get into the week eight recap. Let's just do it. Let's get it over with. Um, And we, we have a lot to talk about, guys. I won't sugarcoat it. We got a lot to get to today. And first on my list is uh, Clemson versus Syracuse. So we got Clemson winning 27 to 21. I think a little bit closer than Clemson really wanted to. And looking back on that game, you could have said two, you know, you could have said one of two things, all right? You could have said either Clemson should have won that game by two more touchdowns or Syracuse could have won that game by two more touchdowns. That's what you can say from this game. But Clemson did come on top. A win's a win. Uh, basically, I think after this game, I think this leaves Clemson 8-0. So they keep the streak going. This team is, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, they're phenomenal. I mean, this team's really, really legit. And I'm even saying that despite the poor performance, you know, put forth versus Syracuse, I think they're still a great team. I think their defense is amazing. I mean, the amount of times that they turned the ball over and the amount of stops that Clemson's defense made was just phenomenal. So if you guys watched the second half of this game, and you're a Clemson fan, I, I pretty much pray that your day got better because that was hard for me to watch. And I could honestly, as a fan, not as an analysis guy, care less about that game. Uh, I'm not the biggest Clemson fan, um, but debated, you know, undebatably, this is hard to watch. I think that just the amount of turnovers that Clemson had was just unbelievable and honestly unacceptable. Listen, they just can't get anything going with DJ offensively in the game. So, you know, what do they do when they can't get anything going with DJ? They turn around, they bench him, and they put Cade Klumnik in, who's actually a quarterback from here in Austin. I think he went to Westlake. It's kind of beside the point, but, you know, fun fact. Um, Look, Cade goes in there. He doesn't look necessarily amazing. He hasn't put up those numbers that you were, you know, you're praying for when DJ goes out. But, you know, he gave the offense a spark it needed, and, you know, they scored on a rushing touchdown. I think two rushing touchdowns actually with him in there. So I want to talk a little bit about Cade and why he's so impressive. And this is kind of one of the big reasons I want to cover this game is specifically because of Cade Klubnik. And I have a lot to talk about with him. Okay. Watching that game, I mean, I kind of saw the future of Clemson flash, you know, before my eyes. The Clemson looks, Clemson's future looks bright with Cade in there because he just looks so athletic. Like I saw something special in him. And that, guys, I'm talking like Johnny Football Special. You know, maybe to not not maybe to not to that extent talent wise, but like his play style at least resembled Johnny in like a huge measure. So just the pure athleticism of him, I found really impressive, and I really think he can get something special going over there for the quarterback position in Clemson because they need that playmaking ability. And if he can keep that ball safe and he can not turn it over and he can make some big plays for him, you know, I think. The quarterback position should be more up in the air than it is right now. Um, I think what I saw with him during that game is I saw him leaving the pocket almost every play. He's breaking tackles. Um, I mean, a few of those plays, I was getting flashbacks to that. And, and, you know, you should know this clip, all right? 
the A&M versus Alabama game back in like, I think 20, oh my gosh, 2013 maybe. It's something around there. Johnny Manziel breaks those five tackles and throws an end zone pass. I mean, that's what I was getting from him every play, and it was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. Um, I just think, again, like I was saying, that natural playability, I think I can, can, can you know, give this team something that they're lacking right now with DJ. And I don't want to be that guy and hate on DJ, but I feel like maybe he's holding his team back a little bit. I mean, he's pretty inconsistent in the quarterback position. I think that's something that Clemson just can't afford if they want to make, you know, a big run in playoffs this year. Um, and let's go ahead and shift things over to Syracuse for a moment because I want to talk about um, some flaws and some good things that Syracuse did during this game, even though, you know, they did come up short. So number one, so actually, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of uh, narrowed this down to two major flaws of why Syracuse lost this game, okay? Number one is they could not stop the run. The Clemson running back, Shipley, I think ran for 172 yards with two touchdowns. Now, those 172 yards, I'm sure, were probably all in the second half. Um, seems like Syracuse's defense just started kind of letting up when uh, Clemson got that spark. But another thing that I'm, and that I'm looking back on, I was watching during this game, I was harping on the fact that they're not taking advantage of those Clemson turnovers. All right? When a team like Clemson, I mean, I think they turned the ball over four straight drives. DJ fumbled twice. The running back fumbled. I mean, it was just all over the place, and they looked awful. And not, they didn't get a single point from any of those, any of those turnovers. That's ridiculous. So let's talk about penalties, okay? And this is, I kind of grouped this into the same, the same one, the penalties and the not, not taking advantage of the turnovers. You can't have a bunch of penalties late in the game, okay? They got, they were driving up to about the 50 yard line and then they get pushed back to like the 20 yard line just because they got false starts. They've got all kinds of different penalties that are pushing them back. That can't happen, especially against a team like this. If you want to win a game like this, little mistakes like that add up so, so quickly. So, so quickly. And I cannot stress that fact enough. Okay. Now, before we wrap this up, I want to mention one more thing that I kind of found interesting with this Clemson game. Okay. Now, this is something that I don't agree with Dabo Sweeney with, but I do see, you know, why he has this point of view and why he's talking about this subject to the media in this way. I think it's a good, responsible way to talk about it, but let's go ahead and get into it. All right. Dabo Sweeney was asked by a reporter after the game, and he was asked, is the starting position up in the air now, you know, for, the, for quarterback? And he replied with, you know, not a maybe, not a, you know, we'll see. He actually just said, no, no, not at all. He said, with zero, zero thought in his mind, DJ is his quarterback, and it's not changing. DJ is the leader of that team, and it's not changing. Well, in a lot of ways, I understand what he's saying there, but again, you got to start thinking about what, you know, what might hold this team back. You know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to just attack DJ here, but I really feel like if this team put Cade in there and had his playmaking ability and he kept the ball safe, this team could make a lot farther. If they want to make a run in playoffs, they got to start thinking about the little things like this. Those little things that are prohibiting you from, from going above and beyond, okay? They're good right now. Do I think they can be great right now? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I think they can be great with DJ in the quarterback position? I don't know. And that's something I question. I think that's something Dabo really needs to think about as especially we wrap up these couple games and go into the postseason, okay? So, again, kind of wrap it up. Um, Syracuse is taking on Notre Dame in New York this weekend. 
And uh, Clemson is heading to their bye week as they prepare to take on Notre Dame the uh, forthcoming weekend. So look forward to both of those games. Let's go on and move into the next game here I got for y'all. LSU versus Ole Miss. LSU wins 45-20. to 20. Ladies and gentlemen, we had to talk about this one because, man, this was out of left field. And it was especially out of left field when I checked my phone and the game is something like 17-0. to And I'm thinking, oh, this is done. Ole Miss is coming away with this. Check my phone at the end of the game. I get a whole different story. I get a whole different tale as told by that by that score. And uh, I'm going to break it down for y'all or at least give y'all a little bit of insight on uh, what I kind of gathered looking back on the replay and looking back at the ESPN stats of this game. So I saw LSU staying close in this game, uh, but a blowout of this margin in LSU's favor – I did not see coming, okay? I did not see coming at all. And then again, though, I shouldn't even be surprised at this point anymore. This is the stuff like this has been happening, you know, week after week. And uh, guess what I'm going to say right now, guys? Guess what I'm going to say? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it so much. And I'm loving college football right now, despite how bad the Aggies suck. All right. So if you put this game on your TV, you would have seen that Ole Miss was actually leading the game at 17 0 at one point, like I just said. Um, and they turned it on. They turned, the, the Tigers turned the light switch on, and they started, they started pumping. So the main thing that I saw with LSU is they just started running the ball all over Ole Miss. Ole Miss could not stop it. I think LSU recorded like 252 total rushing yards, which is a, a hefty amount, a very hefty amount. And also a huge part, you know, why Ole Miss had such failure Fail, excuse me, failure in this game is uh, Jackson Dart, okay? Jackson Dart's the QB for Ole Miss, if you do not know. And he was just not, you know, he was just not on yesterday. And uh, to be completely frank, he tries to run the ball too much, all right? <laughs> he needs to learn to stay in the pocket even with that pressure coming, which he did receive a lot of. He received a lot of pressure, and I will I will say that it's hard to stay in there, but Sometimes with, with as explosive receivers as Ole Miss has, Jackson Dart, Jackson Dart needs to take advantage of that and stop rolling out of the pocket, trying to run. He just needs to make a little bit of a smarter decision, play to play. So to shed some more you know, love on LSU, the quarterback position is starting to get figured out over there. Jaden Daniels looks really, really good. And I think they can actually end up with a really good bowl game and honestly, like a really good future in general if he continues to play this well. He just looked good. Good decision-making. He was making good passes. Um, he seemed like he was maneuvering the pocket really well. He just looked impressive. He looks like an impressive quarterback. And I just think, again, he continues to play like this. They have a bright future ahead of them for this season. Now, this game was a huge win for LSU, especially in the coaching staff since um, Brian Kelly has been argued to be a, a pretty bad fit for LSU. Um, and this game, you know, proves otherwise, right? I've never been a Brian Kelly hater, but I will be completely honest with you guys. I did kind of doubt at the beginning of the season, but, um, looking back now, you know, shouldn't have, he looks good. If he continues on this path, he'll be looking good. So where are these two teams heading this weekend? Uh, LSU is going to be heading into their bye week and I think they're going to take on, yeah, they're going to take on Bama. Uh, the following weekend after their bye week, which that game actually seems like it's going to be pretty interesting now, right? And uh, Ole Miss will be taking on Texas A&M at home this weekend. Or, no, no, no. 
Ole Miss will be take, taking on Texas A&M at Kyle Field this weekend. And uh, guess what, guys? Your host, Reed Zimmerman, will be there. And uh, you'll definitely be hearing a lot about the game. You know, regardless of the turnout, um, regardless of the outcome of the game, you'll be hearing a lot of it from over here. So next game, guys, I'm actually going to grab a drink of water before I even talk about this. Because, uh, oh my gosh, we had to get to it. We had to get to it. And you all know what's coming. Oh, all right. Texas A&M versus South Carolina. South Carolina wins 30 to 24. So this makes Texas A&M fall to three and four. And now if you would have asked me the question, what record would Texas A&M have in this, in the, at this point in the season? And you, and then you respond and you go, they're three in the, and they're three and four. I would have never believed you. And I would have told you you were a uh, stupid idiot. Um, but you know, look who's a stupid idiot now, this guy. All right. Now, I want to make sure I tell you all this because, you know, most people, they make predictions before the season, right? Including mine. And the worst case scenario for A&M by most people was nine and three, maybe eight and four if things go south, right? Guys, A&M has to win out now if they want to even go eight and four, which honestly most likely won't happen. Okay. So the obvious flaws in the program, let's just get them over with. Okay. Guys, I am not a Jimbo hater, okay? And if you are a Jimbo hater, you don't truly know how coaches like how Texas A&M's coaching staff fully operates right now, okay? I want to make this clear. Jimbo Fisher is a good leader. As a head coach, he is a good leader. Is he a good play caller? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, an awful play caller. An awful one at that. Okay? So did play calling lose us this game? You know, not necessarily, but it sure is like a repeating factor that's happening week after week, and I'm tired of it, okay? Now, another problem that, you know, doesn't help us in the QB situation in College Station, we need a dominant quarterback, okay? If we, if we want to compete in today's college football, we got to have a good quarterback. Look, we look at Max Johnson. He ran the offense better, but, you know, he lacked that playmaking ability, that raw playmaking ability. Haynes King, you know, he has that playmaking ability, but he lacks the good decisions. He makes way too many mistakes, okay? Way too many turnovers, way too many bad throws, okay? And just in certain high-pressure situations, he just can't, he can't make those big decisions, okay? So let's kind of talk about more of the actual game and what happened with this. If y'all didn't watch the game, South Carolina opened the game with a 100-yard kick return, and that's when I knew uh, this wasn't going to be good. Okay, that's when I knew the uh, the storm was brewing. It was it was heading uh, it was heading north, and uh, it hit, and uh, it wasn't pretty for AM. All right, the game just kind of felt cursed from the start, and I mean defense wise for AM, all of a sudden we just can't stop the run. I mean things were bad, and they are just worse week to week. They just get worse, and maybe it's just worse in my mind because I keep on seeing it time after time again. So it just gets more aggravating and frustrating to me, but I am honest to God, tired of what's happening week to week. And it's unacceptable of a program of, uh, of our stature. Okay. Now, if I were to read y'all the offensive stat, actually, I will read y'all the, off- the offensive stats of the game. I got them right here and I'm going to read these out to y'all. And I want y'all to tell me who won this game just out of the stats. I want you to put the score. 
I want you to throw it out of your mind in the trash can and tell me who won this game out of these stats I'm about to read out to you, okay? So these are the game offensive stats. 23 first downs for Texas A&M, 13 for South Carolina. 398 total yards for A&M, 286 for South Carolina. 269 passing yards for A&M, 168 for South Carolina. 129 rushing yards for A&M, 118 for South Carolina. Guys, we have them beat in every stat. In fact, you look at the first downs, we nearly doubled the amount of first downs they got. Now, <laughs> how did we lose this game? Turnovers, 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 okay? Like I've been saying, the turnovers in college football make some of the biggest impact out of anything in this game. Now, I can't even count how many times A&M drives the ball down you know, South Carolina's throat and then we turn the ball over or just stop driving. It's like we magically just stop knowing how to call plays. We stop knowing how to pass the ball. We stop knowing how to run the ball. I'm tired of it, okay? Now, when you have a 17-0 score and South Carolina only recorded 19 yards in those points, you can see how this game ran out just right from under you know, A&M, okay? Now, I, want, I actually want to repeat that stat so everyone catches that. They had a 17-0 score, South Carolina winning, and they only had recorded 19 offensive yards. Guys, 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 guys. We pretty much lost this game because of an opening drive kickoff, an interception return, like little things like that, mistakes, okay? We, should have, we played awful and we still should have won this game. Now, of course, it doesn't help with the injuries we had, okay? We had multiple linemen injuries, including our offensive line, which, you know, includes our, our starting center, which, you know, greatly hurt. We had some bad snaps. The offense looked out of rhythm, even more out of rhythm than we've looked. Um, and we just also had a lot of penalties, which didn't help as well. Um, there's little things like that, again, just mess up your momentum, the little momentum that A&M can even get, okay? So a lot of factors contributed to this loss, and, uh, you know, it's obviously unfortunate. But I have to be hopeful you know, I'm not very hopeful for the rest of this season, but for future seasons, I definitely am. If, if A&M can get an offensive coordinator and um, we can start, you know, I want to keep Jimbo, but if we can keep Jimbo, get an offensive coordinator, start calling good plays, just get this offense reworked, we get a good QB in that quarterback position. I feel like just, I feel like our team can really head in the right direction. I don't feel like this is, you know, the end for us, okay? I feel like we're going to get better from here and I'm excited for it. So, A&M is going to take on Ole Miss and Kyle Field this weekend. And South Carolina is going to be taking on Missouri this weekend. So now for our last breakdown of the uh, evening. It's something we have to do. And uh, I'm doing it just for my good friend, Jeremy Mackman. We have to. Uh, drum roll, please. Can I get a drum roll if you're listening to at home? Texas versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State wins 41-34. to Now this is going to be a pretty short and quick one. But there are a few points I want to touch on here. Okay. Short answer to why they lost this game, and it's not what Texas you know, fans want to hear, but Quinn Ewers and penalties were the two major contributors to losing this game. All right, guys, it doesn't look like Quinn you know, was everything everyone hoped they would get out of him. Now, some of those throws were the receiver's fault, yes. Some of them were possibly the win's fault, yes. But guess what? You're a Division I quarterback who's playing at a program with the highest football budget in the country, so figure it out. Okay, now for Sarkeesian, he needs to figure out how to solve the problem. Okay, this situation is best looked at like a puzzle to me. Okay, Sarkeesian, buddy, you have all the pieces, you have all the best pieces of an offense. Figure out how to use them, and you will never stop losing. 
Okay, I mean, you would never stop winning, sorry. You never stop winning and you should not be losing. Now, Oklahoma State, they don't look amazing, but the team looks good. I think they have a great chance of winning the Big 12 this year, to be completely honest. TCU and Oklahoma State is who I see in the Big 12 championship as of right now. Um, Oklahoma State's going to be taking on Kansas State this weekend, uh, which is another huge game for them. And uh, Texas will be heading into their bye week. So some other scores I did not break down from uh, week eight of college football. We've got Alabama versus Mississippi State. Uh, we got Alabama winning that 30 to six. We've got TCU beats Kansas State. TCU wins, wins 38 to 28 after being down by 17 at one point. Uh, UCLA versus Oregon. Oregon wins 45 to 30. Cincinnati versus SMU. Cincinnati wins more narrowly than expected, uh, like 29 to 27. Uh, now for some games you need to turn on this weekend, guys. You need to get your favorite food, sit down on the couch, watch these games, right? We've got Ole Miss versus Texas A&M, Ohio State versus Penn State, TCU versus West Virginia, Notre Dame versus Syracuse, Oklahoma State versus Kansas State, Kentucky versus Tennessee, Oregon versus Cal, Florida versus Georgia. And uh, that'll be it for me today, guys. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I'm Reed. This is In the Huddle, and I'll see you all right here next week.